be back with you again, bringing the word of God alive from the lifeboat at the Grange Corner Moy. And I would like to thank you very much for your support and for your prayers. And for those who have contacted us via the web and by, by phone, uh, I think the furthest away listeners we have is Puerto Rico. And if you're watching in this morning, thank you so much uh, for your encouragement yesterday. And I trust that the Lord will bless you and many more who hear the word of the Lord in these days. Let us bow in a moment's prayer, please, and ask the Lord's help again today. Loving Father, we bow humbly in thy presence, and we thank thee for the blessings of health and strength in these days while many around us are sick and indeed dying. We pray, our God and our Father, this morning for those who have been bereaved and coming to terms with the loss of their loved ones. We pray for the doctors and for the nurses and for the hospital staff and carers. We pray, Lord, for the politicians and the medical experts and scientists. And we ask, O oh God, that you will minister to them at this time. And Lord, we think of those who are with large families, Lord, shut in. And we pray for mothers especially, Lord, that you'll bless them and be with them and encourage them in these days. And Lord, we pray for your word as it goes globally out uh, this day, Lord, across the whole broad acres of this earth. We thank thee for the technology that brings the word of God to many homes and to many people. We thank thee that while everything else seems to be bound, the word of God is not and never will be bound. And so I pray, Lord, that you touch us, thy servant here this morning, and that thou wilt minister to me and help me uh, to declare the word of God that thou hast laid upon my heart. For I thank you in the Saviour's name and for his sake. Amen. If you want to turn, if you have a Bible convenient to you, and you want to turn to Jeremiah chapter 23, or you can look it up later on. I uh, just want to read a couple of verses, just two verses. Uh, the 23rd chapter of Jeremiah and verse 9 and verse 10. Mine heart within me is broken because of the prophets. That's the false prophets. All my bones shake. I am like a drunken man like a man whom wine hath overcome because of the Lord and because of the words of his holiness. For all the land is full of adulterers. For all the land is full, for the land is full of adulterers. And we trust the Lord will bless to us the short reading of his word. The word adultery, adulterer and adulteresses, is mentioned 70 times in the scriptures. And a lot of those times it refers to sexual relationship by someone who 
is married to another. And sadly, in these days when we talk about marriage, we have to define that it's between a male and a female, and that's the only marriage that the word mentions and the only marriage that we talk about. It seems to me from studying the Word of God that adultery was rated as one of the most major fundamental sins that brought the judgment of God amongst his people and others. If you study the Word of God, you will see that many times that it's referred to as a word we don't like to use, a word hurdums. And it's mentioned adultery and hurdums as mentioned by the prophet Isaiah, Jeremiah, Hosea, Ezekiel, Malachi, mentioned by our Lord Jesus and John the Baptist, and Paul and Peter. It was a sister sin to idolatry and pride. And you get all the three mixed together in many places in the scripture. Now there are two kinds of adultery. Uh, there is spiritual adultery, that's unfaithfulness to God and to his word and to his will. And there's physical, sexual adultery, unfaithfulness in the marriage of a man and wife. Now, these sins were main contributors to the nation of Israel and Judah being removed from the land and brought into captivity. Now I can hear someone say this morning, what's that to do with us in these terrible days in which, and fearful days and uncertain days in which we live in? Who, who wants to hear messages of morality and immorality? Are we not suffering enough at this time without being bombarded with legalism and moralism? Uh, is it not time to speak on love and be sympathetic towards the people that's going on around us? And someone said to me on one occasion, why can't you be like other preachers and comfort us with the Psalms and the Beatitudes or even in Paul's letter of Ephesians where <clears throat> we're risen up into heavenly places with the Lord after all, <clears throat> this is Easter week. Well, that may be true, and I will stand against any charge that's railed against me. But is it not time? Is it not time that we, the ministers of the Lord, stood back and considered what's going on around us? Is it not time that we uh, took cognizance of uh, the very sad situation that our nation is in? After all, we're told that the economy is about to crash. We, we know that the Easter's cancelled, the 12th of July's cancelled, churches cancelled, holidays are cancelled, schools are cancelled. And if a person with a temperature uh, found to have a temperature in their body, there's many things that you can do to bring it down and to treat it. Well, if a child has it, the mother will give her a spoonful of calpot, and uh, maybe if an adult has it, he can run his head under the cold tap. But uh, if it keeps recording, and the temperature keeps recording, the doctor has to find out the cause. 
He has to get right into the heart. He needs a diagnosis of why this is happening. And we can throw, my friend, all the texts of Scripture and all the Easter messages and all the thoughts of the day and all our companies worth of how this thing started and how long it's going to go on and all the rest. We can do all that, but it will be of no value. No value. And we need to do those things and thank God, but it will be of no value to, to finding out the solution to it. It'll be just like shuffling the chairs on the Titanic when she was sinking. Or when the water was spewing in, trying to get uh, toothpicks to seal it up. Or King Canute when he went down with the pitchfork to try to turn the tide. It's time for spiritual diagnosis. It's time to consider and look at the Word of God and look at our nations and look at our own nations and say to God, why has this befallen us? We must get to the root of the cause before we can treat it. And that's what I'm trying to do in my own heart and in my own life and my own ministry in these days. Now, the judgment of God, as I was saying yesterday, the judgment of God against Israel and Judah uh, came with three main fundamental things. Now, there are many uh, things that brought the judgment of God, but, but there's three that we've been looking at these days. And uh, the first one we dealt with yesterday, which uh, is called in the Bible, child sacrifice. There's nothing grieved the heart of God more than that, the murder of the children. And that goes on today. We call it abortion, and, and, and we call it the child of fetus. But changing the names on this, my friend, doesn't make any difference. It's a murder of children. And there's a day of accountability coming for the nine million that has been murdered since 1967 in Iran. And there's going to be a day of accountability for the murdering of these innocent children. Make no doubt about that. And uh, it's bringing judgment and will bring judgment upon its people. And then there's adultery, which we're going to look at this morning. And uh, in the next broadcast, the abominable sin of Sodom. Now, if you put these three <coughs> sins together and study the word of God and study the nation of Judah and the nation of Israel, study the prophets, Jeremiah, Isaiah, and all, a number of those other prophets, you will discover that these three sins, these three sins, brought down the wrath of God upon the nation. And that's what we're trying to get at this morning. We're going to be looking then another at the next broadcast on this sodomy. Call it, change its name too, to homosexuality, to the gays, to the LGBT. Changing the name doesn't matter, my friend. The word of God calls it sodomy and sodomites and, so, and, and, and sodomies, and that's what it says. And we have to go with the word of God. Now, am I saying this morning that men and women living in and practicing adultery has brought the coronavirus on our nation? No, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that it's one of the many sins that provoked the Jeremiah's pot to boil over that we were referring to in other days when it boiled over 
and uh, depicting the anger of God and the thunderbolts from heaven and the lion roaring, all those three, we used them on different occasions that when it came to a certain point, these things happened. Any commandment, any commandment broken uh, brings judgment of God upon his people. The seventh commandment says, Thou shalt not commit adultery. And that word on that there is immorality. This, this was one of the sins that broke the heart of Jeremiah. Listen to what he said again, what we read. What we read. My heart within me is broken. The land is full of adultery and my bones shake. Anything to do, my friend, with tinkering, uh, the sanctity of marriage and the marriage vows always draws the, the, the wrath of God down upon a people and that's for another day. Listen to the 29th chapter of Jeremiah what he says. He says, I have handed over the nation of Judah to Nebuchadnezzar the king of Babylon to slay them before their eyes. And bring a curse upon them, a curse upon them, and loose them with fire, because they have committed adultery with their neighbor's wife. And Peter says this. Listen to the, the apostle Peter. Having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin. That's that's the third type. You know, there's a third type of adultery. There's there's physical adultery, spiritual adultery, and mental adultery with their eyes. Remember Jesus said, oh we don't hear much preaching like this now. But remember Jesus says if a man looks upon a woman and lusts after her with his heart, then he has committed adultery. And I want to say to you men uh, in particular who are beating and watching at this pornography, it will destroy you. It will destroy you. And you need to turn from it and you need to repent of it and you need to get away from it and you need to ask the Lord to cleanse you because you're committing adultery. Now the best way that I can make my case and prove that this is a very serious sin in the eyes of God is by looking at three men of God and what they thought about it and how they dealt with it. Now let me emphasize that again. We're going to look at three men, three men, who thought this sin was an abominable sin, who thought it was a, a, a sin uh, that needed to be addressed, needed to be stood against in the days in which they lived. And I find if it needed to be done by these men, it needs to be done today, and that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to highlight the fact that way beyond all this going on, there's a deeper root, there's a, there's a root. Way beyond all this going on around us today, and all the speculation and all the hype and everything else that we're hearing and all the sadness of so many people dying. My friend, there's a root cause. There's something down here that we need to get at and we need to get at it quick. And I can't see anywhere else other than to go to the Word of God. And as I study the Word of God and as I bring these things together and as I look at them and see them, I can see a pattern and I can see that pattern going right back into the tribe of Judah, uh, to the nation of Judah, to the nation of Israel and, and to others as well and, and, and we see this. And so I want to highlight three men and how they dealt with this as I bring our time to a close 
today. And I pray that you will listen to what I'm going to say and that we'll face these truths as the Word of God fit. The first one was John the Baptist. John the Baptist. Now, they reckon that his ministry lasted about six months. And if that's the case, and it seemed to be, remember this, that he was a man sent from God. And, and, and God says, the, the Lord said there was none like him born of woman. Now, if the Lord sent him and he said that about him, the Lord would want to make sure that every moment that this man spent on earth would count for God. And when he comes out of the desert, chewing maybe a locust and his coat of camel hairs and a leather belt tied around his waist, when he comes, he comes proclaiming repentance. And he says, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Now where is the first place he goes to? Did you ever consider this? Well, the first place that the Baptist goes to is the headquarters, the government, the parliament of the day to King Herod. And King Herod was living in adultery. He was living with his brother Philip's wife. For it says he married her. And let me say a wee thing. Marriage doesn't resolve an adulterous relationship if the spouse is still, other spouse is still alive. And she went mad. We know that she went mad and tried to kill him, but she couldn't end what she did later. And Herod in her heard this word, he came and he said, he, say, he said to them, It's not lawful for thee to have her. It's not lawful for thee to have her. And Herod, although a pagan man, honoured John and he feared him and, and he heard him and he heard him that. Can I say if it was wrong then, it's wrong now. If murder's wrong, then it's wrong now. If theft was wrong, then it's wrong now. If sodomy was wrong, then it's wrong now. Maybe we need to go up and down through the corridors of power in the House of Commons and the House of Lords and the House of Windsor and Stormont and say it's not lawful for thee to have her. Maybe we need to start there with adultery. Repent, John says. Repent and turn and flee. And maybe if our leaders were to heed this and get into sackcloth and ashes and repent of the murder of the children and of their adultery, the, the, the judgment might begin to lift. It's no wonder that the, uh, the Jews were bludgeoned into submission with the Romans' leaders like this in society. Now I want you to fast track to another 50 years and come with me to Acts chapter 24. Here we have another man, another servant of the living God, another man sent from God and he's finishing his ministry. John the Baptist was starting his ministry. This man's finishing his ministry. And here we find him in Acts 24 standing in chains before another leader. We have Paul before Felix. Felix the Roman governor and his so-called wife Drusilla. Now she wasn't his wife at all. He had abducted her whenever she was 14 and he was living in sin with her. She a Jew and he a pagan. What happened there? Paul preached the gospel to them. Now can you imagine this? Paul's at the very head of the government of the day 
and he's preaching the gospel to them and it says he reasoned and remonstrated and pleaded with them on, on, on temperance, righteous, righteousness, temperance and judgment to come. Now, righteousness had to do with the past. And I haven't time to go into the past of Felix, but it was an awful past. And temperance had to do with the present. Self-control, restraint, lust, adultery. He was living in adultery. And, and Paul thought that he needed to challenge this at the end of his ministry. And the judgment to come, and there's a judgment come. So here we have another man. And this man is preaching the word in power and he's hitting these truths at the end of his ministry that they're the cause of the problem, some of the problems that they're living with in those days. Other than that, he wouldn't have faced this. We read that when he preached on, on temperance, righteousness and judgment, we read that Felix trembled. He trembled under the word of God. He trembled whenever this word was being People are not trembling, they're not fear. These things, they are hardly mentioned. But we're suffering for it. Felix trembled. Now notice this, Felix only trembled. She didn't tremble. She was a Jew and she would have known the articles of God and the truth of, a lot of the truth of God, but she never trembled. And I'm saying to some, someone out there, you've been brought up in, in a Christian home and in Northern Ireland perhaps, and you know the gospel inside out, and you hear it time and time again, and it never takes a bit of fact on you. Well, you're just, you're, you're just like her. And while there's other people like Felix, and they hear the word, and they, and they know the word is right, and they know that they should do something about it, and maybe go and get saved, and only hear it for the first time, like my wife. So I say to you, my friend, if you are familiar with the word of God, don't let, don't let your heart get hardened. Repent and come to Christ. Felix trembled. Felix only trembled. She didn't tremble. And only Felix trembled. That's all that he did. That's all that he did. Well, trembling is good. And being afraid of God is a good. And saying I need to be saved is good. And saying that's the truth is good. But you need to do something about it. And this man said, I'll see you and heal you again on this matter, but we never read of him here again. So behold, now is the accepted time. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. You're hearing the gospel today. You're hearing the need to repent today. You're hearing the need to come to Christ today for there might be much time. And take this opportunity and come to him and seek him and have your sins forgiven. These two men, one at the beginning of the ministry and one at the end of the ministry, two of the greatest men uh, of God that we could ever think of, John the Baptist and the great Apostle Paul, and this is what the start and end their ministry with, uh, speaking to the heads of the governments of their day on sins such as Adultery. So you don't tell me that it's not important in the Word of God. And don't you tell me that it's not important now. And our leaders need to be faced. And we need to come back to this old type of preaching the Word of God and bringing out the truth of God's Word. We need to tell men and women about their immorality and their infidelity and to flee from it and to repent of it and forsake it. Now let's wind the clock forward again. Uh, 
1500 years. And as I close, you think about this. Westminster, the House of Parliament, King Henry VIII is on the throne. On New Year's Day of that year, he summoned his chaplain, the Bishop of Worcester, Hugh Latimer. And he requested Mr. Latimer to address His Majesty and the leaders with a New Year's message. Now, I don't know what he was expecting to hear, but history tells us very powerfully this. Before this bold, courageous Latimer donned the pulpit, he was coming before one of the most evil and debauched kings of England. He beheaded six of his wives, and he was living in adultery in a relationship with Kath, a woman the name of Catherine Parr. And as he mounted the pulpit, he went over to the throne and he handed the king a Bible, open at Hebrews 13 and verse 4. And he said to the king, he said, this is my New Year's text. Well, let me tell you what it was. Hebrews 13 and verse 4. Marriage is honourable in all, and the bed is undefiled, but whoremongers and adopters God will judge. Oh, that was some New Year's message, wasn't it? Listen to it again. Marriage is honourable in all, the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adopters God will judge. The guards all watched, waiting for the king to tell them to take him out and behead him. But the king said to him, I want you to go home, Mr. Latimer, and I want you to think over what you've said, and I want you to go back in a week, and I want you to repent of it. And so he goes home, and he comes back in a week, and he dons the pulpit again, and he opens the same text. He says, my text today is Hebrews 13 and verse 14 again. Waiting this time, sure that he was going to be beheaded, the king said, now listen to what he said, thank God for honest Hugh Latimer who tells us the truth. We know that later, in 1555, he was born he was to the stake uh, by Queen Mary. All of these three men executed the word of the Lord and their testimony for Jesus Christ. And friend, if these three men, in different periods of church history, saw this as a grievous sin against God and they were prepared to give their lives for all three of them give their lives for the sake of the gospel. Why do we tolerate it and cover it up in our nation, in our land and in our church today? Why do we allow it in the heart of government and not lift a word about it? And maybe when we get back Maybe when we get back to calling sin, sin, and stop calling even good and good even, 
And maybe when we get back to this book and back to the truth and back to the root of the prophet, maybe then we begin to see our land being released again. Maybe then we'll begin to see the revival that we've been praying for and God moving when there's honesty in the hearts of our leaders and in our ministers and in our churches. When we see men taking heed to the word of God and believing it and obeying it and going forward with God. Oh, my dear friend, the, we have the answer. They have no cure for the virus, but we have a cure for sin. Thank God we have an answer for the sin problem today in the world. Thank God we have an answer for every man and woman, no matter how you've fallen, no matter where you are, no matter whether you're sodomite, or no matter whether you're an abortionist, and no matter whether you're an adulterer, man, it doesn't matter. Listen, that wonderful text that I received, and if I get to the next one, 50 years, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. Hallelujah. All sin. My friend, listen, there's, there's pardon in Jesus today. There, there, there's forgiveness in Jesus today. Come and come to him and, and bring your sins to him and say, Lord, and I, said, I don't care what your sins are. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Come to Christ. Come and seek him while he may be found. Come unto me, all ye that labour and are heaven in, and I will give you rest. Come to Calvary. Come to the cross. We have a remedy. We have a cure for sin. My friend, it's the blood of Jesus. It's the blood of Jesus. It's that wonderful work of Calvary where Christ died for the ungodly, where they stripped them naked and crowned them with thorns and battered them and spat upon them and mocked them. My friend, there on that cross, Christ died for the ungodly. He gave himself for me. He gave himself for you. <clears throat> he gave himself for us. Died he for me who caused us pain, for me who him to death pursued. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die? Die for me. Man, he died for me. Christ died for me. Justified by faith. We have peace with God. Peace with God. An assurance of heaven. And our sins cast in the sea of God's forgetfulness. Never to be remembered again. No more forever. Every last one of them's gone. Gone. My sins are gone. Far away. Friend, flee to Jesus. Come to Christ. Come before us to the end. Come where the Lord is speaking. Come where you shut you out of work and shut you out of school and shut you out of everything. Come when he's trying to talk, he's trying to get through to us in these days, he's trying to tell us to repent today, he's showing listen, he's showing the world today that, the, that this is only the start of what's going to come in the tribulation, that any moment the church is going to go and you'll be left and you'll be lost and there'll be no hope, but you can't be a me and I and you can't be many of the preachers come to Jesus, come now and let, him, let us reason together and then come now, he says, and, and have your sins forgiven, and peace with God, and assurance of heaven. Yes, my friend, there's an answer. The answer is Calvary. Not only did he die, not only did he die, but he rose again. And he's alive, he lives in the power of an endless life. And he's coming again some of these days. Will you be ready? Will you go with him? Come now, come. My friend, come and flee from the wrath that's coming, from all of the sins. It doesn't matter what it is. Thank God. That there is a saviour from all sin, if we'll only let him in. In your heart he there will be in, if you'll trust him. He'll put the devil out and he'll soon begin to shout, Hallelujah! Hallelujah! What a saviour! Good day.
and God bless you. Amen.